and welcome to this episode of Fantasy Baseball Picks and Bets presented by Prize Picks on the Mayo Media Network. I am Gary and Thorne. It is Friday night. Happy weekend. That means we are talking about Saturday's baseball slate. We've got two separate six-game slates on DraftKings for Saturday. We're going to be focusing on the 7.15 p.m. Eastern slate, the late slate, if you will. We will also talk a little bit about some of those games going on in the afternoon in our Best Bets segment and also right now in our Prize Picks segment. And I want to remind you guys before we get into the specifics, if you head on over to prizepicks.com, use the promo code MMNMLB, you can have your first deposit matched up to $100. There's absolutely no reason not to do that right now because you're going to go over there anyway and use these picks for Saturday. So let's start with Bo Bichette going up against Ryan Yarborough and the Tampa Bay Rays. Now, I will admit, I am a Jays fan. Ryan Yarborough has a long history of absolutely dominating the Jays. He just flummoxes them. There's something about the soft toss and lefty that they just can't seem to solve. However, Bobachet is in one of the best stretches of his brief career right now. Since June 8th, this is coming into play on Friday. Since June 8th, he has a 161 WRC plus, and he struck out in just 12% of his plate appearances in that six-week span. Consider that Bo Bichette, over the first two months of the season, was striking out over 25% of the time. So he is locked in right now. And for the season as a whole, he has been crushing left-handed pitching. He's got a 168 WRC plus against lefties. We know the Jays can do damage on any given day. Bo Bichette is hitting in that two spot. He is locked in between Marcus Semien, between Vladimir Guerrero Jr. There's really not a better place in baseball to be hitting. So seven seems like a relatively low number. I think we can get over that with Bo Bichette, who also just happens to lead the league and run scored. So, you know, there's a lot of different ways he can bring back value in terms of fantasy baseball. The other over I like on Saturday afternoon slate is Tim Anderson of the White Sox. Hard not to like any White Sox when they're playing the Baltimore Orioles. It is Tom Eshelman taking the mound for the Orioles on Saturday. It doesn't really matter which Orioles starter is starting, aside from, like, John Means, who actually is, I believe he he had a, uh, a tune-up start, a, a, a rehab start in A on Friday. So John Means might be back just after the All-Star break, so make sure to keep an eye on that. But in the non-John Means Baltimore Orioles starters category, you can pick one from a hat. It doesn't really matter. It's going to be a great matchup for their opponents. In Eshelman's case, he's had four starts so far this season, in those starts, while he's sort of survived them a little bit, he's got a 6.88 XFIP right now. Um, He's just not a major league starter. He knows it. The White Sox know it. Tim Anderson knows it. And right-handed batters in particular have been Eshelman's kryptonite in this four-start span. They are hitting 347 with a 612 slugging percentage off of the righty. So I think Anderson batting leadoff for the White Sox maybe gets five plate appearances in this game. Actually, most likely gets five plate appearances in this game. I think he goes over eight fantasy points. So that is over eight for Tim Anderson, over seven for Bo Bichette. 
Let's now move to the DraftKings portion of the show. Again, we are talking about the six-game featured slate that gets going at 7.15 p.m. Eastern Time. It's a really interesting slate. We've got some, not just some big-name pitchers, but some big-name pitchers with question marks. Uh, The top two pitchers on this slate, in fact, uh, have a little spin rate regression going on the past couple weeks. So... It's hard to be excited about rostering Garrett Cole in particular as he continues to be priced above $10,000, as he continues to be the most expensive pitcher on slates. Look, I'll continue to say that in a GPP setting, you're going to get lower ownership on Cole than you've gotten the past two years. So if that's enticing to you, if the differentiation is enticing to you, and I, I could see why it would be. This is someone who still has a massive DFS ceiling. Um, you know, that, that's one way to look at it, but against the Houston Astros, that's a bit of a tough pill to swallow, even though Carlos Correa did go on the COVID IL on Friday. So they do not have all of their big name bats in their lineup. Uh, but I would rather use Walker Bueller, who's got his own set of red flags right now. Walker Bueller has not looked amazing. Those spin rates are down from where they were last season and he's been inconsistent. However, what has been consistent with Walker Bueller so far in 2021 is he dominates the Diamondbacks. He, the last two times he has faced Arizona, first time, May 17th, goes seven innings, seven scoreless innings, does not allow an earned run in that game, finishes up with 30.8 DraftKings points. The last time he saw the Diamondbacks, June 19th, seven and a third, two earned runs, but 11 strikeouts in that game, and he goes over 35 DraftKings points in that contest. So right now, it just seems like I may not trust Walker Bueller in general, but Walker Bueller against the Diamondbacks, sure, why not? Especially if he's going to be less than $10,000, and he is, he's just $9,600 on Saturday's slate. And again, this isn't one of those things where you're staring at it like, huh, why is Walker Buehler dominating this one team? That doesn't really make any sense. It makes a lot of sense. The Diamondbacks are not a good offensive baseball team across the last 30 days coming into Friday's slate. A 114 isolated power that was by far the lowest mark in all of baseball. They also had the second lowest WOBA and the second lowest WRC+. Plus. So it all makes sense. Uh, again, I'm not super in on Walker Buehler right now in like season-long formats, But in DFS, against the Diamondbacks, on Saturday, I can roster a little bit of Walker Buehler. I say a little bit because he's not my top option on this slate. That honor goes to Freddy Peralta, who might just straight up be the best pitcher on this slate. At least that's what the numbers say so far in 2021. 93 innings for Freddy Peralta. 2.56 expected ERA and a 35.4% strikeout rate. Freddy Peralta has been incredible. So far this season, he is $9,200 going up against the Cincinnati Reds. And I realize the Reds, not nearly as good a matchup as the Diamondbacks are, but the Reds aren't the same Reds from April. They're not the best offensive team in baseball anymore. In fact, across the last 30 days, they have a 148 isolated power. That is in the lower third of the league. It comes in at 23rd. And they also have a 100 WRC+, plus, so right at league average, they're pretty meh. Like, they don't move the meter one way or the other in terms of a matchup. So in those cases, let's just focus on the pitcher and his skill set. And again, Peralta, great for the season as a whole, but his last seven starts in particular, a 1.87 ERA, 
holding opponents to a 215 Woba. That's like Max Scherzer territory. And he's averaging 11 strikeouts per nine innings in that span of time. So it's hard to knock Freddie Peralta right now. Again, I would make the case he should be the most expensive pitcher on this slate. He should at least be more expensive than Garrett Cole. That would be a move to maybe get Garrett Cole a little bit more ownership uh, on these slates. But until Cole shows me something, I'm willing to miss out on the 35 DKFP Cole start. I just got to see it again before I trust him. And especially with two options like Buehler and Peralta right beneath him. Um, Peralta in particular, I would say, is the number one pitching option for Saturday. Now let's go all the way to the bottom of this pitching slate. Again, it's not a massive slate, so sometimes this happens on smaller slates. You kind of just, someone has to be the lowest priced guy. And Huang Young Kim, I mean, look, I I don't want to say he's someone whose skill set translates exceedingly well to DFS. He's, He's a contact pitcher. He's averaging about seven strikeouts per nine innings. Like, it's it's nothing special. Even his last two starts, arguably his best two-start run of 2021, he's gone 12 innings and only allowed one earned run in that span of time. He's still averaging about 20 DraftKings points in those starts. The point I want to make with Kim is not that he's perfect. It's that at $5,700 on a slate this small, he's just better than that price point. He's not great. He's not a 9K pitcher. I'm not making that claim, but he's better than 5.7. Kim for the season, 3.39 ERA. He's got a 4 FIP. Like, he's perfectly fine. He's a major league caliber pitcher. He's someone who is 70th percentile in average exit velocity, in barrel rate. He's someone who, again, across his last two starts, has only allowed one earned run. He's perfectly acceptable. This is someone who should be, on like a 15-game slate, Kim is the guy who's $7,200, who you're not really thinking about. You're not stacking against him, but you're not putting him in your lineup either. He's just an afterthought. But on a slate this small, if he's going to be less than $6,000 and I need to save a little bit of money, I think he could do worse. I think he's someone whose floor is 2x value. His ceiling's probably only like 3.5x value, but that's fine. If he pitches six innings, gives up two earned runs, and he strikes out five, I will take that every time at this price point. And I think the strikeout number, like again, his biggest flaw is that he does not strike out that many batters. The Cubs could help that because as we know, as we've talked about many times, the Cubs are a strikeout-prone team. Across the last two weeks, the Cubs, 29.7% strikeout rate. That is the highest mark in all of baseball. They also have an 81 WRC plus that probably got a little bit better today. They scored 10 runs against the Cardinals. But again, I I just think Kim is better than this price point. Do the Cubs hit lefties better than they hit righties? They do, but they're still pretty bad and they still strike out all the time. So I think Kim is pretty viable. I'm not going to have like 75% exposure, but I think you can mix him in uh, if you're someone who likes to use three or four pitchers across your multitude of lineups. Uh, Let's talk about my favorite stacking opportunity, um, and that's going to be the Brewers. Vladimir Gutierrez is, I think without question, the worst pitcher on this slate. Uh, His last four starts in particular have been nightmarish. He's got a 6.75 ERA in that span of time. 403 opponent Woba, 2.5 home runs per nine in that span of time. So Gutierrez is someone who came up from the minors 
His first three or four starts were fine. He wasn't someone who was striking out a lot of batters, but he was generating a lot of soft contact. That is no longer the case if you're allowing 2.5 home runs per nine innings. So I think teams are starting to figure him out with a little bit of tape, and I think the Brewers can do some damage uh, in their home park. It's not called Miller Park anymore. I'm still going to call it Miller Park. Uh, Very offensive-oriented park in Milwaukee. Stacking the Brewers is kind of interesting because you don't really want to use Christian Yelich. You can. Obviously, you can. He's a former National League MVP, but Yelich himself is not happy with where he is right now, and most of his value has been derived from walks in real life. That's that's not going to translate to fantasy. So $5,800 is a pretty hefty price tag to pay for someone who just isn't producing in the power categories right now. So Obviously, you can put Yelich in there. I'm not going to knock you if you do. But if you want to make this a more cost-effective stack, I think you skip Yelich and you focus on Willie Adamez, who's $4,900. He's got a 143 WRC plus going back to June 1st. Luis Urias is $4,500. He's hitting really well lately. He's batting leadoff for this Brewers team, so maybe he gets to five plate appearances, just volumes his way to some value. And then Omar Navarez is one of the better offensive catchers in all of baseball that no one really ever talks about. He specifically crushes right-handed pitching so far this season. He's got a 391 Wobo within the split. He's also got a 147 WRC Plus within the split. And depending how Craig Council fills out his lineup card, like Jace Peterson sometimes hits like fifth or sixth against a right-handed pitcher. Peterson's whatever, but he's going to be cheap. And if he's hitting in a premium lineup spot, you can maybe work him in there. And then Rowdy Telez is maybe another name to keep an eye on. I I believe he's only had one start with the Brewers since he was traded from Toronto, but in that start, he hit cleanup. So if that happens again, he's, I believe, $3,100. If you're getting a left-on-right matchup with Rowdy Telez, that cheap, hitting in the cleanup spot, you probably have to take a chance, especially if you're stacking the bats around him. Okay, before we get out of here, let's talk about some best bets. And again, we are going back to the afternoon slate For these best bets, no particular reason. These are just the games that happen to stand out to me. So let's start with the Boston Red Sox. Uh, They're favorites, but they're not super heavy favorites at home. Uh, Look, this this isn't a bet that's going to make you a lot of money on its own. But the Red Sox money line is minus 148. I think that's pretty low considering the pitching matchup we get tomorrow. I'm not even someone who's here to say like, hey, Martin Perez is great. He's not. His expected ERA is a full run higher than his actual ERA. But Matt Moore is really the headliner here. Boston is one of the best offenses in all of baseball. They're in Fenway Park. You cannot throw Matt Moore on the mound and expect good things to happen if you are the Philadelphia Phillies. Matt Moore, as a starter this season, 6.30 ERA. Opponents have a 556 slugging percentage and a 401 Woba in those starts. Boston is going to crush this guy. And maybe Martin Perez gives up four earned runs, but that's okay because the Red Sox are going to have 13 runs off of Matt Moore. So I think you just take the Red Sox money line. Like I said, don't love Perez, but the Red Sox are 4-0 in Perez's last four starts. They are 11-6 in Perez's starts so far this season. They're at home. They don't strike out against lefties. Doesn't really matter against Matt Moore. They're going to hit this guy really, really hard. So I like the the money line for the Red Sox. I also like the money line. Here's where we're going to make it back. I'm going to earn your favor again. I also like the money line with the Kansas City Royals. And I know we tried this 
on Thursday's slate, and it didn't work out. The Royals were up 3-1, I believe, in the eighth inning, and then they blew it. But I like the Royals' money line going up against Cleveland. This really just comes down to, again, one pitcher. Eli Morgan does not deserve to be favored on an MLB slate. That's the easiest rule of thumb to live by. Eli Morgan, so far this season, I think he's had five starts. He's got an 8.44 ERA and a 6.69 FIP. That's ugly stuff. And again, it's not like Mike Miner has been pitching incredibly. In fact, his last four starts have also been pretty bad. But Cleveland, coming into Friday, had the lowest WRC plus in baseball against left-handed pitching at just 84. So you've got a Cleveland team that struggles to score runs in general, going up against their worst-handedness split, and you've got Eli Morgan on the mound for Cleveland. And their favorites? I will take the Royals, plus 105 on the money line. Maybe even parlay that with Boston on the money line at minus 148. And that's going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Baseball Picks and Bets presented by Prize Picks on the Mayo Media Network. I am Gary and Thorne, and I will talk to you guys next week.